0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: We think about the Christian experience. We try to wrap our minds around what God's grace is and what that means. And, of course, we can intellectualize this. We can attribute to grace unmerited favor. We can try to think through what this means. And yet, I have to be honest with you, in the hmm, 40 years, I guess, now that I've been a Christian as much as I think about grace and appreciate grace and experience grace and have it touch my life on a day-to-day basis, there's an aspect of grace that I don't understand, and that's probably a good thing, because there are aspects about grace that go so far beyond, I think, our ability to intellectualize it. This holy and righteous God— in front of whose eyes we have all sinned, as we're told in Romans 3 and 23, dead in our transgressions. And yet while we were sinners, while we were yet sinners, God sent his only begotten son to die on our behalf, that through that substitutionary work on the cross, we might not only be saved and forgiven, but reconciled unto him and experience Grace in our day-to-day lives. Brian Christopher has written a new book called Simple Gospel, Simply Grace, How Your Christian Life is Really Supposed to Work. Bob, by the way, is CEO of Basic Gospel and host of the daily call-in radio program of the same name, Basic Gospel. And Bob, thanks so much for being with us tonight.
2: Well, thank you, Craig. It's great to be with you. Looking forward to the time together.
1: It's an important topic, I think, because um, believers, I think, of of any stage in their walk with Christ need to be reminded of how incredible this grace is that God has shown toward us. And the totality of what it means is we see Christ as that bridge between uh, death and life and, and what it means to be reconciled unto very God himself because of his grace for us. Um, I think ought to simply leave every Christian, again, no matter what stage they're at in their walk with Christ, ought to leave every Christian absolutely with their minds blown by this.
2: Oh, Craig, absolutely. Um, Most theologians, when they get to their later stages of life, and this has been through 2,000 years of church history, you know, when asked, you know, what is the most important subject uh, about Christianity? And they always... Choose the word grace, Um, because even if they've been Christians for 50 years, 70 years, 80 years, they feel like they've just uh, scratched the surface. And and grace is one of these big words. I mean, Jesus Christ is full of truth and grace. Jesus Christ is grace itself in in essence. And when you think how big. Jesus is, that's when you start to get an idea of just how big this grace of God is and how powerful it is to make us alive together with Christ. So I think it's the most important subject, the uh, most important word in the, in the Bible, apart from Jesus Christ and, and the word God itself.
1: Is it a word that we need to keep coming back to again and again and again? In other words, sometimes you, you hear some that might suggest that this grace is a one-time experience, that God showed His grace toward mankind uh, there at Calvary. We can uh, partake of that grace in our salvation experience, and then once one once it's done, it's done. Is, is it that way, Bob, or is it really an ongoing experience?
2: Well, it's an ongoing experience. I say in the book, you know, once grace gets started, it never ends. And uh you know, one of my favorite writers is D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and oh, yes. he said this, the Christian life starts with grace, it must continue with grace, and it ends with grace. Grace, wondrous grace. You never can get away from it. And as soon as you start getting away from, you know, the grace grace of God, I find that's when things start to mess up. Um, I, I, I find that's when you know, I get anxious. I lose peace. I've, you know, I have this restlessness inside. But every time I circle back to the grace of God and get a fresh look at what that exactly means in in my everyday life, things start to settle down, and 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 the peace of God that passes all understanding begins to fill up all the spaces in, in your mind. So I don't think we can ever get away from grace. I I, I know most people and Many folks um, communicated as kind of first-grade stuff, but really it is it is the foundation, it's the building, it's the roof, it's it's everything about this Christian life.
1: Your book title, uh, Simple Gospel, Simply Grace, uh, might suggest that there's a simplicity to this, and I guess it's kind of interesting because it, it, it it's simple to the degree that Scripture lays it out for us, and yet there's a level at which I don't know that we can ever really fully understand grace, can we?
2: No, I don't think we can fully under, understand it, because it's it's really the essence of who Jesus is. And so we're ever going to be growing in our knowledge of, of Christ, and growing in the grace of God, and learning how this grace of God applies in, in everyday life. So it's a lifelong endeavor to grow in grace. And then uh, you know, when we go to be with the Lord, when he comes back, when we all receive these resurrected bodies, we're going to stand as as testimonies to the grace of God throughout eternity. Uh, and boy, just when you think of that, then you realize just how powerful and how wonderful this grace really is.
1: Break it down in terms of, of understanding um what this means when we talk about grace um we say unmerited favor and uh people might think well you mean like when the when the judge uh, throws out my parking ticket when i really should have gotten it anyway or <laughs> help us better understand that
2: okay well i think that's a really good question and uh you know if if uh you know a judge throws out our parking ticket or uh, a cop decides not to give us uh, a ticket when, indeed, we've been speeding, that's, that's uh, on the mercy side of the equation. Um, so that's withholding from us what we justly deserve. Grace is giving to us what we do not deserve. Um, so grace is this very present, active word in our lives. So all of us when we come into this world we're dead in trespasses and sin. So spiritual death is a big problem. We don't deserve life. There's nothing that we could do to merit life. There's nothing that we could do to bring it about for ourselves. So God in his grace has to reach down to us, even though we were dead, and make us alive together with Christ. So that's the first aspect of God's grace. It's You know, when you read that uh, passage, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. It's, It's a gift of God, not of ourselves. Well, the whole context of that passage is going from death to life, that God makes us alive together with Christ. That's grace. He gives us what we did not deserve. And then it's this life of Christ that sustains us, so we're always in his favor. Nothing can separate us from his love. Um, by his grace, he's forgiven us of all of our sins. By his grace, he teaches us to say no to sin and to live righteous, upright lives. By this grace, he builds us up. He encourages us. He gives us a brand new identity. He helps us through trials and tribulations uh, In life, and he works within us to bring about his purposes in our day-to-day experience. So grace touches every aspect of our lives. So I I like to say that most people think of grace as a word that covers the past, but actually it's a word that meets us at our point of need in in the present and moves us forward. So it's a forward-moving word. Um, tied to Jesus Christ, his spirit living within us. Um, That's just how wonderful it is.
1: Bob Christopher with us tonight. We're looking at his latest book, Simple Gospel, Simply Grace, how your Christian life is really supposed to work. Uh, you might be a new believer in your faith and struggling through some of these questions, and and uh, we want to encourage you to take the opportunity to get your questions answered. Maybe you've been in the, in the faith uh, walk for a lot of years, but there's still some things that you don't quite understand. A brief timeout, back with more as Lifeline continues. Welcome back to The Conversation. We're visiting with Bob Christopher, the book, Simple Gospel, Simply Grace, How Your Christian Life is Really Supposed to Work. Let's talk a bit about this concept that you were sharing earlier that I, I think is an amazing one and it will help us perhaps understand a bit more about the breadth and depth of God's love for us. Um, you talked about grace and sort of the first part idea that we see it as withholding punishment. It's an idea of something that is being kept from us. So we get the speeding ticket, but the judge decides to let us go even though he knows, we know, yes, we broke the law, yes, we are deserving of this punishment, but regardless, the judge shows his, quote-unquote, grace and keeps the punishment from us. But the grace of God goes so much further than that, as you were suggesting before the break, Bob, because it's not just a matter of God keeping a rightly-deserved punishment from us, but then it's what he gives to us in and through that.
2: Oh, absolutely. It It is Christ himself... Living in us uh, I've defined god's grace as this God's work in Jesus Christ to make us spiritually alive and to power empower us to live in this world as his children, so we we can't do that on our own, and that's that's where I missed it for so long craig i I was trying to live out the the Christian life with the old adage, "Try harder every time I fell on my face, I'd get up and make promises to god and you know i would just give it my best shot trying as hard as i could to live the christian life and the harder I, tr- I tried the tighter sin's grip became in my life and when i finally understood the grace of god as as being more than merely a covering for the past that's when the christian life started to make sense that's when i really discovered how it was supposed to work jesus christ living his life in and through us. And I think that's what much of the Christian world misses as far as the gospel message is concerned.
1: Well, let's elaborate on this point for a moment. You, you mentioned, and I think rightfully so, the the problematic viewpoint, which unfortunately in, in modern-day pop Christianity seems to be more and more prevalent, this idea of Christianity being a, like a self-help program or self-improvement program. We hear this kind of nonsense preached from the pulpit of, of Joel Osteen. It sounds to me oftentimes like an Anthony Robbins seminar without walking on hot coals, and, and you have to pay, of it- course, uh, or contribute to the uh, to the offering plate at some point during the service, but it it almost, well, it doesn't almost, it outright cheapens grace and and turns what God is meaning to be this wonderful experience of, as you suggest, not just withholding punishment, but then giving to us. It, it really short circuits and robs us of the fullness of his grace when we see it as just this sort of self-help and help or self-improvement program.
2: Yeah that god doesn't want to make us better he wants to make dead people alive in christ i mean our our old way of life was empty uh, peter uh, really nailed it in his first letter when he said that life that was handed down to us from our moms and dads is nothing but an empty life uh, you can slice it every way you you can and it still comes up empty So God sent Jesus to put an end to that old life and to raise us up with him so we could walk in the newness of life. And that newness of life is a life lived by grace through faith in Jesus. Um, And and we really have to learn to embrace that simplicity. And, And here's where the difficulty lies, Craig. Faith is a foreign concept to us until Christ comes in our lives. And then we start to discover what a life of faith is all about. So constantly from, you know, Genesis through Revelations, we see these reminders. Trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Those who put their confidence in the Lord, those who believe the Lord— that's the one thing that God is looking for from us, a heart that believes him. And in that faith, all kinds of incredible things happen in our day to day lives.
1: But why is it that so often, Bob, we wind up getting bogged down in fear and in guilt? And it, it, it becomes, I, I think of, we see this every once in a while, some of these extreme sports programs on TV. And you watch these guys going white water rafting, and all of a sudden they're heading down and they think they're having the grand old time. And all of a sudden, the, the torment of the water overcomes the the raft and overcomes them. They might find themselves suddenly out. Out of control and running off the edge like you're about to head you know right over the the edge of the I don't know uh, Niagara Falls or something and, and suddenly you become absolutely overwhelmed by fear and guilt, just like the guys get overwhelmed by the torrent of water when they get out of control how, how do you how do you go about extracting yourself from that when the flow of the current is so fast?
3: Well, Craig,
2: that's a great uh, that's a great point, and and boy, a beautiful an- analogy there as far as fear in our lives. Um, you know, fear has to do with punishment. That's how John connected it in his his first letter, and he says, "Perfect love casts away that fear." And if we're really going to grow in grace and embrace this new life that we have in Christ, we first have to settle that forgiveness issue. We have to recognize. That the blood of Jesus actually did take away our sins once and for all. Um, that is, I think, one of the most critical truths that, that we need to latch onto and really take our stand upon. And that's the fact that when we receive Christ, we receive forgiveness of sins. Um, Paul said it twice, once in his book to the Ephesians, once in his letter to Colossians, that in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the question is, are you in Christ? And if you answer yes, then you can ask, well, what do you have according to these passages? Well, it says redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, the question that follows that is, do you really believe it? Do you really believe that right now, at this very moment, you have forgiveness of sins? And that becomes the real issue. If I struggle right there... That's when fear can take hold of my life.
1: And we're going to pause on that point. When we come back, I want you to share with our listeners the uh, uh, Binaca story. I think it'll it'll paint a nice picture that will ideally illustrate the challenge here, particularly in that sense where sometimes we struggle with the notion that His grace is insufficient for us because we see ourselves as being unworthy and unlovable. And there's nothing worse when we end up getting caught. We'll come back to more of the conversation with Bob Christopher as this edition of Lifeline continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Simple gospel, simply grace. Bob Christopher, my guest on this segment of Lifeline. And uh, Bob, as we talk about the struggles that we often have with this notion of uh, feeling unworthy, unlovable, sometimes uh, just feeling uncomfortable with the fact that we feel this sense of fear and guilt, uh, you've got a great story in the book about uh, your experience as a young man uh, with um, Banaka, which I have to be honest with you, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, I remember that. I didn't even realize they still made it. <laughs> but tell us a bit about that story. I think it, it ideally helps illustrate this point.
2: Well, well, Craig, it, it was... Uh an experience in 7th or 8th grade, I got involved in a shoplifting gang. And we would go into drugstores and, and we would just steal things, things that we didn't need. And one of those things that we stole quite often uh, was this little breath freshener spray called Banaka. Well, one night, uh, Friday night, I spent the night with my friend David. And we went out and went to one of those stores and we stole some Banaka and we stole a lock. Why it just for the challenge of it, I guess, and uh so we came back home, and you know I went home the next day and as as things would have it david's mom went into his room and started cleaning up and he and and she found the lock, and she asked david uh where'd you get this and uh he said, "Well, we stole it." And you know he just he just he just caved like any person would, and uh you know, as moms do um you know she dug a little deeper and and David told the whole story about you know Bob actually stole it, and we got Manaka too and so she uh you know tried to figure out what to do, and then she picked up the phone and called my mom and uh that next Monday, I was delivering papers uh I had skipped out on my band band rehearsal. I was a truant, so, you know, I'm a thief and a truant, and, uh, you know, mom's not real pleased with me, and, uh, she says, get in the car, and I'm like, no, it's a beautiful day, and finally she says, Banaka. and I was just done. I unraveled (laughs) right then and there, and knew I had been caught, and, you know, I could just imagine the punishment that was coming my way, and, uh, mom and dad decided they were going to take me back to every store that i had stolen something from and i was going to get in front of the manager and confess what i had done and they were going to leave my punishment in these managers hands and fortunately for me they were lenient and just required that i pay back uh... pay them the money for the things that i i stole which i did um, but that didn't relieve my guilt because i knew You know, my sin held something with God. And at that point, I just walked on eggshells, wondering what God was going to do with me. I knew punishment was just around the corner. And that fear just overcame me in such a way that every time I sinned, I felt Jesus left me. And so I had this formula I'd confess, I would 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 ask God to forgive, and then I would ask Christ to come back in my life. And I probably prayed 500 different times during my teenage years for Jesus to come back and live in my life, because I didn't know what he had actually accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. And finally, I went to a Bible study, and the teacher started explaining Colossians chapter 2, when you were dead and your transpasses and sins. He made you alive together with Christ. He forgave all your sins. And that forgiveness just poured over me, just washed over me, and finally I rested in the finished work of Jesus. And that fear of punishment went away because I knew Jesus had taken my punishment for me. And in exchange for that, he gave me his righteousness. That's a pretty good deal. That's what grace is all about, God giving to us what we do not deserve. But because he loves us so much, he was willing to send Jesus to take our punishment for us so that we could stand in his presence as righteous as Jesus Christ himself.
1: Let's get to some calls. We're going to head over to uh, Lee in Palo Alto. Lee, come on in with your comment or question for Bob Christopher.
3: Oh, well, that Banaka story was wonderful. I think uh, probably a lot of people could identify with it. I sure could. I remember beating myself up for years. But one thing that I wanted to ask, and I don't know how to ask it without sounding kind of like uh, expecting too much um, or, or it putting a demand on God, which would be like a sin in and of itself. Uh, but my question would be, when you know you're forgiven, when you know that it's finished, How do you um, somehow experience God's grace? And not like the everyday grace where we have our health, we have the sun, we have our needs and whatever. But God's unmerited favor on a day-to-day basis with Him actually walking with us. Um, I, I don't know... If I ask that right, I just I'm yeah. not talking about salvation. Well, I think I, I'm, I'm
2: following what you're saying there, uh, Lee. As as far as how we experience the grace of God, I, I think the first way we experience it is 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 by resting in His finished work. You know, mo- most of us are, are tense inside, we're anxious inside because we're not sure if God really loves us or not, or if God has forgiven us or not. And when we finally come to that point and recognize that the work has been finished, we experience this sense of rest uh, inside of us. So that's the first way we experience it. And then we experience it um, by the Word of God becoming strong in our lives and, and us learning to say no to the temptations uh, of of this world and the temptations of sin. We recognize that what the world has to offer is just empty. And so I think we see a a sense of victory in our lives as far as the world is concerned. And then I think the third way that we experience the grace of God is is by really getting to know the heart of the Father and learning to see the world through his eyes and people through his eyes. And we get so caught up on you know, in morality and trying to make the world a better place, but God sees People's hearts, and he and he sees people in one of two ways. You either belong to him, or you're still lost and dead in sin. And when we see it from God's perspective, then our hearts start to melt, and we want to reach out with that gospel message. So the the grace just gives us, um, I, I think, deeper insight into the very heart uh, of of God the Father and what His love is all about for this world and the people that we shoulder uh, with every single day of our lives. Does that help, Lee?
3: Yeah, it does. It helps greatly. I I remember in the Old Testament where you had these people that poured out their hearts to God, like Hannah, who couldn't have the child, and and when she was in the temple with Eli, and and she just poured out her heart, and, and God gave her the grace of answering that prayer. And I think the third one, because I, I know in my case, I, I know I'm saved, and I'm in the Bible often, and around other believers, but I want to see the, the, the Holy Spirit type, um, uh, how could I put it, like answer to prayer more than just, in, in our area, maybe it's just this area, it seems like there's a lot of Christians, but we're kind of impotent
2: well I think you're I think you're right because um you know our greatest asset as far as believers are concerned is is a knowledge of God. We really know what God is like because jesus christ has has made that known to us, you know when we see Jesus, we see the Father, and so as we grow in our relationship with Jesus and as we grow in our knowledge of who he is. I think we're going to see our hearts melt toward the world in a way that we want to reach out and, and connect those people to the love of Christ just as we have been connected to the love of Christ. So just uh, just make it your prayer that Lord, I want to grow in your grace, I want to grow in, in the knowledge of who you are, and I guarantee you that's a prayer He will answer, and you will see that being answered in time.
3: Very helpful.
1: All right. We appreciate your call tonight, Lee. I guess part of this too is 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 the ongoing struggle that we have with the flesh, Bob. Um, we we at a level because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, recognize that we are in need of of forgiveness. Uh, we recognize that we have sinned and offended a holy and righteous God, and and yet it's difficult for us sometimes. Once having had His grace extended to us. To fully accept that, embrace that, and I guess at certain levels, um, even learn uh, the concept of forgiving ourselves as much as God has forgiven us. I, I got a kick in your book. You make reference in this. I think shows the the level at which mankind struggles with this. That Stanford University here in our backyard actually has something they call the Forgiveness Project.
2: Yes, yes, they do, and, and they're trying to figure out. If forgiveness is really an essential part of of well being and health and uh, you know normal relationships, and they're discovering that that's that that's the case, um, but but they spend a lot of time on this idea of forgiving ourselves, and, and it's interesting when you when you scour the Word of God, there there's no place there where God says you need to forgive yourself. What he does say is, stand firmly in the forgiveness that I've given you in Christ. And when you recognize that, then you're able to let go of the past. You're able to let go of those things that you've been dragging around in life for years and years and years. So when when we stand firmly in what Christ has accomplished, that's when we can really Forgive ourselves and let go of the past and fully embrace um, the resurrected Christ here and now.
1: Bob, we sure appreciate the time and the book, Simple Gospel, Simply Grace, how your Christian life is really supposed to work. The new book, by the way, published by Harvest House and available at Christian bookstores throughout the Bay Area as well as through Amazon.com and Bob's website too, simplegospelsimplygrace.com. And there again is Bob Christopher, host of the call-in radio program, Basic Gospel.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: We are reminded that prayer is the key and faith unlocks the door from that wonderful hymn of the 1970s, wasn't it? Um, Trying to think who sang that. I can picture him right now. Roger, it'll come to me. It's a sign of old age. Roger something or other. Prayer is the key to heaven. Sometimes you get a little overwhelmed, though, especially if you have a reputation for being a bit of a prayer warrior and... You enjoy communing with God, and yet, boy, how do you do it? I I don't mean how do you pray. What I mean is how can you have a sense? When you say to somebody, for example, I'll be praying for you, are you good on the follow-through? Are you able to keep track of the execution on that? I know I I have to make a list. If I don't make a list, inevitably, and I try to do it strictly from top of mind— uh, you run into somebody and they say, gee, uh, my son-in-law's dealing with cancer. Oh, I'll be sure and pray. I'll add them to my prayer list. And then a day or two goes by and you forget about it. And then six weeks later, you run into them somewhere at the grocery store and they say, gee, my son-in-law's doing much better. Thank you for praying. And you go, oh, my goodness, I had completely forgotten. Sometimes it can be overwhelming. And yet, is there a practical way in which you can pray for friends, family, community? Well, my next guest says, absolutely, yes. Simply learn to pray A to Z, a practical guide to pray for your community. Amelia Rhodes joins us. And Amelia, what a brilliant book. Uh, When I first saw this come across my desk, I thought, oh, another book on how to pray. Well, there's plenty of those out there. But then I started thumbing through and went, oh, wait a minute. This is a whole new idea.
4: Thank you. Yeah, that, um, that's kind of how I felt. We don't need another book on how to pray. We need something that will actually help us to pray, because I'm, much like you described, that has been my struggle, too, saying I would pray for people, and then weeks later realizing, wow, I only prayed once, maybe twice, and just feeling this conviction that I needed to follow through and be faithful long term
1: and and as we talk about uh, lending the sense of of organization, I know some people might shudder a little bit and think, "Oh my goodness, I have to get an excel Excel spreadsheet going now
4: right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got to go buy a
1: laptop, so I have it handy <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah uh,
4: i kn- I know that I need simple things that help me, and that's how pray A to Z started for me was just out of my own prayer life feeling very overwhelmed and convicted of, you know, running into people later and remembering, oh, I I said I was going to pray long term. And uh, so I just came up with this very simple way. And it started out, you know, note cards, three by five cards, and it grew into a book. I never would have dreamt I would write a book on prayer because I felt like I was the least qualified person to do that.
1: As you've approached this you're you're taking it very um, topical in a sense and I guess it's true that people tend to at least my life experiences tend to fit in you know not 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 neat clean pigeonholes but it tends to be for example there's a couple of people on my prayer list right now that are dealing with cancer mm-hmm. so they're in the cancer category mm-hmm. and then it seems perennially there is somebody that I know that's got a son or a daughter or a grandson or a grandchild that's kind of wandered away from the lord and mm-hmm. And uh, you know, maybe they've had a run-in with the law and things of that sort. So it seems as if um, the older we get, the health concerns, of course, tend to pile up. But it seems as if there are certain perennial categories that, that that tend to be kind of repetitive. The names may change, but the needs are kind of the same. Does that make sense?
4: It does. Yeah, and that's how it started for me. It was after taking several phone calls and emails from friends all in one day big heavy requests, adoptions that weren't going well, cancer diagnosis, um, a marriage that was falling apart. When I realized, you know, this is heavy and overwhelming and I asked God to help me be more faithful in my prayer life and that was what I the conclusion I came to that so many people are struggling with the same types of things. What if I were to pray by category and maybe take one or two per day? And so that's how A became adoptions, and B became bullying, and then we expanded doing several topics per letter. And I found it, um, I kept the topics broad enough so that, yes, under cancer, you will remember your friends, their family members, their caregivers, their hospital staff caring for them, really just very broadly covering all of those struggling with the various topic.
1: And uh, let's see, 26 letters in the alphabet that kind of takes us through um, A to Z literally over the course of a month.
4: Right. Right. And I ended up starting with one topic per letter, and then I ended up expanding it to five. So there are 150 different prayers and topics in the book, and um, two for each letter are actually prayers of praise.
1: Yeah, I noticed that. And and was it intentional that you included that in there because you know so often we think about uh, you know the, the scripture talks about going to and bringing to the Lord our prayers and supplications and it tends to usually be a laundry list of heavenly father I need so and so needs the other one needs and it's it's typically uh, all very one-way communication in that sense. Uh mm-hmm. you know we could almost uh, if 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 heaven had an email address <laughs> we would we would do that and just say you know dear god here's my list uh, get right. back to me when it, when you've answered all those requests. Right. You're, you're you're suggesting a dynamic here that that really helps to not only give us a better sense of discipline about our prayer, but also helps to enrich our relationship with God.
4: Absolutely, because as I prayed, you know, and I was we're looking at you know very heavy topics that we're all facing in our communities. We've mentioned cancer, but then like praying for the homeless and those who are serving them, um, zero prejudice, uh, our lawmakers, all of those big things happening in our communities, it can be very heavy. And I found myself, even in prayer, just feeling just this darkness and feeling overwhelmed. But when I began to praise God and recognizing who it is that I'm talking to, it really lightens the load because we remember that every need we have is met in who He is. And it was very exciting as I wrote it. So, for example, like C was cancer and caregivers and then praising God that he's the comforter. How very often, you know, these prayers of praise match up with the needs and recognizing, yes, we have these hard and heavy things. But remember, he's almighty. He's the comforter. He's our helper.
1: There's also another dynamic to this that fascinates me. And I and I think it's one, you know, a, a, some people that kind of approach prayer casually uh, do it. They know they need to do it. They have a sense that it moves the hand of God. So they're obedient in that fashion. But there's lacking in a sense of organization. It's easy to rack up the list of all the prayer needs mm-hmm. and then forget about the times, and they are frequent, when God answers prayer. And I'm wondering if in this fashion, in in giving a greater sense of organization to uh, how you pray and remembering to, to remember all the needs that are brought forward, Is it also a tool in helping you keep track of, wow, when God answers prayer, let's make note of that, too, and also give thanks to the Lord in acknowledging the fact that here's another case where he's answered prayer?
4: Absolutely. With with each topic, I started out with a scripture, because I, I really believe in starting with God's Word, what does God say about this topic and this particular issue? And then in the prayer prompt, just a couple sentences, you know, remembering all of the people who are going through this. And then many times I prompted people, you know, think about the times where God has moved in your life in this area and give thanks for that. And then through the prayers, um, to not only think about the current situations, but situations in past, praising God for his faithfulness and how he has worked in these areas.
1: And I think a lot of that helps to to, uh, not only give us a greater sense of discipline when it comes to our prayer. But, but also does a phenomenal job in strengthening our relationship and our faith.
4: Right, and that is my hope through all of this, that, you know, often if we don't know where to go or we feel like we're just, you know, in a rut with the same things over and over, that it will, it will expand our love for God and our love for our community and that we will begin to experience this deepening relationship with Him as we begin to talk to Him intentionally and purposely, you know, every day. I,
1: (coughs) funny, I was just looking at the calendar here and and made note of the fact that it's December the 14th. Exactly a year ago today, I was flat on my back in a hospital being treated for cancer Mm. and had suffered something called an ileus. I won't describe it. It's a blockage. Um, As as I told my nurse, uh, it'll be about three hours from now, exactly a year ago. Uh, You need Mm. to either give me some pain medication or bring me a gun. Mm. horrifically painful experience. Right. And as we're talking, and I'm thinking back exactly a calendar year later at the repeated answers to prayer, including on the day of the most painful day of my hospitalization exactly a year ago today, and I think how grateful I am to serve a God who not only hears prayer, but who answers prayer, Mm. and to be mindful and reminded of his faithfulness. And I think we do a good job in bringing those prayers and supplications to the Lord, I think, uh, quite often. But um, the discipline to keep track of all the times that he answers prayer in that miraculous fashion in which he is there with us, sometimes we kind of give mental assent to that. But I think actually writing it down and saying, well, we prayed for Uncle Charlie starting on this date, and X number of days, weeks, whatever later, here's the date when God answered the prayer. This can be a wonderful resource, too. The book is simply called Pray A to Z, A Practical Guide to Pray for Your Community. That's Pray A to Z, and uh, newly published by a Worthy Inspired. You'll find it at bookstores throughout the Bay Area, also through the uh, usual suspects like Amazon.com. Uh, it's a good read and uh, gives you some great tips. Our thanks to Amelia Rhodes, author of Pray A to Z, A Practical Guide to Pray for Your Community.